guys, uh, I just want to make an announcement here before we get started on the show. Uh, at the end of the year, towards the end of the year, I guess, we will be doing a Freaking Geeks Chest. So what is that? Well, I made an announcement a couple of months ago that uh, we will be giving away this chest and it would be over $100 worth of geeky goodness. And we are going to be doing that. I decided to wait for a little bit to kind of make sure that we could get the things together. Uh, but we did, and so as we get towards the back end of December, uh, we'll be doing a drawing to see who gets uh, this um, chest. And the problem is you can only get this if you are a Patreon subscriber. Uh, so what I've done is I've made it that anybody who subscribes to Patreon, regardless of level, whether it be a dollar, two dollars, three, five, whatever it happens to be, um, everybody that subscribes will be in line to get um, this uh, freaking geeks chest and I've worked hard to really gather up a bunch of different things that I think everybody would like so it's going to be a bit of a mix of a whole bunch of pop culture awesomeness you know stranger things um, you know uh, Star Wars all kinds of stuff that I think people would like um, so we would like to keep doing this uh, year after year, and I think if we get more Patreon subscribers, uh, the bigger we can get, the more people to subscribe, I think the bigger we can make this. So instead of it just being over $100, maybe next year if we can get enough people to subscribe, it'll be over $500. Um, I'd like to get to a point where we can actually start giving away things like um, sideshow collectible uh, figures or prints, things like that. Um, so that's kind of what we're doing here. So I want to make this announcement, let you know this is happening, give you some some time to subscribe to Patreon and uh, put yourself in line to uh, get uh, this, this chest. So we worked really hard to put this together. And the moment that we uh, select it, I'll kind of make an announcement on the, on the uh, podcast and I'll put it on all the feeds, uh, let you know that a winner has been chosen and then we'll send that person our freaking geeks chest so uh, i just want to make that announcement also if you like right into the podcast you can do so by sending your emails to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com that's all lowercase um, so all one word um, if you have a question uh, about the chest if you want to express your opinion on the podcast or any of our podcasts really uh, or if you'd like to send an email in about the episode that we just reviewed or one that's coming up or one that we did months ago, uh, feel free to you know, send in your emails. We'd like to hear from you. We'd like to respond on the uh, podcast and because uh, we like enjoying, you know, we enjoy it. So again, we enjoy talking to people. We enjoy creating a conversation and creating a dialogue. So it's not just Sarah and I on here talking to each other that's great but we would like to talk to you as well so uh, consider sending in some feedback also rate us on itunes uh, because that really helps us out there um, and i think that's it on to the show i mean can i just say something i'm not i don't want to get in your business but just uh i just want to make sure that you thought through everything luke i'm 16. I'm 16, and by the time I'm 17, I'm gonna be a single parent. Just like my mom. You know, if this is about the money, I can figure it out. No, you just need no. to let me know. It's not the money, all right? I, I have some money. Then what's right? the problem? It's, I'm just, I'm worried, all right? I haven't been able to sleep last few nights. What are you worried about? I'm worried about you, Becky. And I'm just, 
me not feel responsible. It's a two-way street. No, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, you're pregnant, all right? And whatever you decide to do, that's a huge decision. And that's a decision you're going to have to live with for the rest of your life. Now, I'm going to have to live with. And it's not like I want to be a dad, all right? But there's something about not being one, you know? You not being a mom just because we decided to make the baby go away. That just makes me really, really uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Will you just take me home? Okay, so we start out the episode here with this clip between Becky and Luke, all right? And it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a good clip. It's full of emotion. Uh, Becky is obviously in a tough spot. You can see how emotional she is in this scene. But I also like how Luke responds to, to Becky here because he doesn't come across as indignant. Um, he's not mean to her in any way. In contrast, he's actually very, very concerned, right? Because... You know, he's in this with her, right? I mean, she may be the one going off to get this abortion, uh, but it's a decision which has you know, very clear ramifications. And what I like about this storyline is how even-handed it is, this whole thing and this whole episode, right? It's it's with the way they handle it. It's very even-handed. Uh, you know, this pregnancy abortion storyline and in this scene... You feel like Luke is simply trying to do his best here for both himself and for her. Right? He just wants to make sure that she understands what the long-term ramifications are for this decision. Right? Obviously, if she keeps the baby, you know, then we're talking about a decision which is going to affect her every single day. But by having the abortion, it also affects her in a lot of ways every single day because while she may or may not be ready for this by ending, you know, the this early, you know, having an abortion, it is something that she has to live with, you know, for the rest of her life, right? And um yeah, so I like how this scene is. I like how it's handled. And it it this scene is kind of emblematic of how the whole storyline is throughout this episode. All right, so obviously, hi guys, uh, Michael from uh you know the free, uh, friday night mike's podcast sarah is not here this week uh she will be out actually out for the next uh, few weeks because she's you know down at disney having a good time and like doing her thing and that's great and i'm glad she's having a great time uh down there but uh you know uh, i'll just be by myself <laughs> at least at the moment i'm trying to find somebody to kind of co-host with me for a couple of episodes here after this week. Uh, the problem is it's a little difficult because I don't really know anybody that has watched this show regularly enough, especially lately, to be able to just come on and talk about this episode. Uh, and I don't want to just bring somebody on who's never watched the show. And of course, they're not going to know the, the people, the characters, the storylines. They're going to be totally lost. And that might be fun as like a one-off thing, you know, but you know, when you need somebody for a couple episodes to fill in, you want them to at least understand what's going on. And I don't know anybody right now that kind of has that knowledge and can just come on and kind of fill in for Sarah. Uh, so, you know, if, and I'm just going to throw this out there, if there's anybody out there that's listening to the podcast 
and they'd like to come on the show and just kind of fill in, you know, send an email, you know, let me know. Um, because I, I think that, you know, it would be nice to just come on for a couple episodes and, and help out. However, if that doesn't happen, it's fine. I'll just be here for the next couple of weeks. It'll just be me. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's going to be good enough. I, I'd like to bounce, obviously, ideas off of Sarah and, and all of that. But, uh, you know, right now, can't do it. So uh, hopefully this will be good enough, you know, for the next few weeks until she gets back. And then we'll pick things back up. All right. So let's keep on, you know, going with this whole uh, episodes here, episode here, we'll kind of keep with the Becky, uh, Luke, Tim storyline, this whole thread, uh, before we move on. So, you know, this whole Becky Luke thing, you know, the episode starts out with her getting, uh, Luke kind of away from everybody else because they're at school. We pull, she pulls him to the side and says, look, I'm pregnant. And of course, Luke is just completely blindsided right i mean this isn't something he's expecting uh, they appeared to have only gone out i think that one time at this point and you know we we didn't know this until this moment we did not realize that the two of them you know had sex which it also appears i think that that was becky's first time uh as well well i don't know if it's luke's first time but it's definitely i think becky's first time at least it appears that way so of course she gets pregnant and here we are now, the, the storyline itself is something we've seen on many, many teen shows over the years. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, it's like almost a requirement that at some point on a teen show, uh, you have to confront the issue of, uh, of a teen pregnancy. And then, of course, it becomes an issue of whether to keep the baby or have an abortion. And so is it like an overly, overused, almost kind of cliched storyline? Uh, yes, it is. I don't necessarily think they had to do this storyline, but I do like how they're handling this storyline. Now, we don't know moving forward next week or the week after or whatever the decision is that Becky has, what's going to come of this. So at least this is not just like a one-off episode at this point. Um, we are going to hopefully see this play out. Uh, at least two episodes would be great. More would be even better just to kind of make sure that this isn't like one of those after school special episodes, which a lot of times it kind of comes off that way. But so far, at least I'm liking how they're handling it, even if I'm not super excited about the actual storyline because I've just I've seen it so many times. Um, but like I said, it's handled well here. Um, you know, Becky knows she isn't ready to be a parent. And you have to remember something, too. You know, Becky in this season, she's been very, she's kind of immature and and we know that we've seen how she's acted. Uh, she's a little bit of, I don't know what word I want to use here. She's not wise to the world. Um, she's a bit sheltered, um, kind of preoccupied with her own, whatever's going on in her life pageants and all of that, which is fine. But you get the sense that she really hasn't seen too much. And so she also comes off as a bit like clingy and uh, a bit whiny at times as well. But we have to remember something when it comes to that. And also when it comes to this whole pregnancy storyline, you know, she has parents who are never around and regarding this, this pregnancy and her wanting to have an abortion kind of have to remember that on some level, 
she doesn't want to make the same mistake as her mom. And I believe she even says in, you know, the episode here and in the, the clip that she doesn't, you know, like she was the same, she's the same age that her mom was when she had her. And if you think about how her parents are, how they are with each other and how they are regarding Becky and how they treat her and just their general relationship with her, it's kind of distant. Now, she has a father who is never around and has created a new family. So that's terrible. And then you have a mom who is constantly um, just flaking out on her all the time, you know, changing plans at the last second because she has to pick a shift up at the bar. Or she's going to do this and do that. So she'll set something up with Becky and then inevitably it seems for the most part, she'll call and tell her she can't make it and you know, whatever. So I've always wondered if there's a bit of resentment there on her mom's part. She obviously loves her daughter, but I also wonder with regards to her mom and her father and, and how they view Becky, is there a bit of resentment there? Like, did she ruin their lives? Maybe they had plans. Maybe they had dreams. And then Becky came along and she kind of ruined all that. So you kind of have this, oh, I love my daughter, but at the same time, there's a sliver, in it, like an insidious sliver inside there, which is like just full of resentment, you know, it's kind of like this, um, I don't know, like a splinter, uh, and it's just resentment and it just, it digs and it nags and it, it's just this constant thing with her mom where I wonder just how much, you know, this is affecting her through her relationship with Becky. And in turn, I think it would, would cause, I believe Becky to, you know, realize that, a, she's, she's too young for this, and she doesn't want to do that to her own daughter. If she had the child, maybe she would grow up one day to resent her uh, for changing her life and keeping her from achieving things she's wanted to, to do to affect her dreams. So I, I do think that there's some you know, real subtext here uh, that we have to look at with Becky and how she's choosing to um, go down this road. Um so let's see here. Um, I like that Luke steps up to the plate. Um, he's willing to get the money that she needs. But like I said, he he wants to make sure that she fully understands what she'll lose if she gets this abortion. So I do I do appreciate that. Um, I also like that the issue of abortion is presented without the show's writers making you know one side or the other the obvious moral or amoral choice for Becky. You know, other less well-written shows might come off as a bit preachy on the subject. And thankfully, I think Friday Night Lights goes right down the middle on this subject. It's probably, I think, the best way to do it. Because the moment you pick one side and say, this is the side to do it. This is this is what you should do. You know, if you if you, if you have an abortion, you're, you're an evil, awful person. And, and if you have the child, uh, um, that's obviously not a bad thing. But if you don't present the option, it might, you know, rub people the wrong way I think a little bit so all right so let's kind of move on here uh, we have a, another clip here um, Tim and, and Becky so this is a very small portion of the episode in fact I think there's the one scene where Tim knocks on her bedroom door and just won't stop knocking and he talks about how he he thinks the kiss was a mistake and obviously at this point, Becky is, she's just gone through so much right now. Like she doesn't need to be dealing with this. And of course, Tim doesn't understand 
you know, what's going on either. Uh, he has, he's totally misreading this whole thing, but to be fair, he doesn't understand because how, why would he ever get the, guess this? This is not something that he, I think, is thinking about <laughs> Becky being pregnant. You know, why would he? So he just thinks that her kind of uh, complete change might be due to the fact that uh, this kiss happened and maybe she's regretting it. So there's that whole scene. But I have a clip here of Tim and Becky. It's at the very end of the episode. She knocks on his door. He opens up. He comes out to talk to her. And uh, she finally tells him what is going on. But she gives him a piece of her mind as well. So here it is. Hey. Hey. Um. Can we talk? Yeah, you want to come in or? Can you okay. come out here? Yeah, absolutely. What's up? It's a couple things, really. Okay. First, it really, it really hurt me that you said that kissing me was a mistake. Because I didn't think it was a mistake and it meant something to me. I don't mean to hurt you ever. It just... Since the kiss, it's been different. You've been avoiding me, and to be honest, you've seemed lost. So, I didn't know what else to say, you know? I felt... I just don't want it to ruin what we had before. That's it. Tim, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. And I don't know what I'm gonna do. And I'm so scared. Come on. You'll be fine. I don't know. You'll be fine. Okay, so, you know, we have um, this relationship. It's, it's a bit complicated, obviously, right? Because, you know, Becky likes, likes Tim. It's obvious that you have a 16-year-old girl that has a major crush on a guy who lives pretty much right behind, you know, her house, right? So, you know, Tim is somebody that she knows. He's, he's well-known in town. Uh, obviously we know Tim Riggins is a good looking guy, gets, you know, a lot of girls or did in the past at least. Um, but I think Becky likes his personality, likes who he is. I think she likes how he treats her, which is not like a little kid. Uh, but the problem is Tim is also very reticent of engaging in any kind of relationship for a number of reasons. One being... He lives in the backyard of the person who he's, who he's renting this uh, trailer from, you know. So if something happens, then all of a sudden, you know, he's kicked out in the curb and he's got to find another place to live again. So that's one thing. But also, I don't – I think after Lila, I don't think he, he really is all that interested right now in, in being with anybody, you know, at the moment. He's kind of dealing with his own heartbreak. But – I also like that while she admits to the whole pregnancy thing and that's such a big deal, she also kind of lays into him 
right? Because look, she kissed him. He kissed her back in that scene from last week. And then earlier in the episode that I just, the episode or earlier, earlier in the episode, the scene that I was talking about where he knocks on the door and then he, he mentions how it was a big mistake. You know, then she lays into him, says, look, I kissed you. I didn't think it was a mistake at all. And it hurts me that you think that. So I, but I, again, I understand, you know, Tim sees this 180 degree change of character from Becky and without any other details, the only thing that he would logically think of is that maybe she kissed him and then later on has come to regret it. And now she's suddenly being distant. So it's one of those things where I feel like I understand where he's coming from um, because it, it makes sense given how little information he he knows. You know, he doesn't have everything. He doesn't have all the information on hand. Um, all right. So let's move on here. Um we're going to go on to Julie. So I'm going to try and come at Julie's storyline in such a way that it doesn't feel gross or, or weird, if that makes any sense. Um, I, I mean, I'll, I'll explain as we go along here. So we have Ryan, this guy. There's Habitat for Humanity. Tammy kind of forced, kind of forced Julie to sign up for Habitat for Humanity because it looks good on her. Her resume, and not, or not her resume, her, uh, well, yeah, pretty much. Uh, to get into college, you know, she can throw this on there and it looks good. So she goes and does this thing. Not very enthusiastic initially, but then Ryan, who's like this guy, he's probably in his late teens or early 20s, I guess. Um, she, he's there and, and they kind of develop this rapport, you know, this kind of flirty rapport. And um, through a few scenes, we see that Julie's warming up to this guy. You know, he's, he's cute. He's a good-looking guy, right? He kind of looks like a little, I guess, mm, sexier version of Matt, I, I suppose. Um, doesn't look a lot like Matt, really. But I, I can see why she would look at him and maybe be reminded of Matt a little bit. But just see this guy who's just really cute. And, um, like, I don't know whether or not, you know, Julie is going to have a new boyfriend with Ryan. You know, if this is a, like a one-off thing or a few episodes or whether this guy is going to be, you know, long-term, uh, boyfriend for Julie from here through the end of the series. So at this point we don't know, right? Uh, but it's obvious that this guy is somebody that she maybe needs right now, if that makes any sense. Uh, but it, it feels like that he might be the antidote for what's ailing Julie. You know, maybe a few you know, heavy makeout sessions or, or sex even is like an aperitif. Uh, and I probably butchered that. So let me explain what an, an aperitif is. Uh, in French cooking, an aperitif means uh, that it's like a palate cleanser, right? So if you're eating... Uh, if you're having this meal, right, and you have courses, right, so maybe you have something which is very kind of heavy, saucy, um, and you finish that, that um, you finish your food, and then, of course, they're going to bring the next course. Uh, they'll often give you an aperitif, which is like a palate cleanser. It kind of washes away all of that, 
you know, food and, and taste and everything kind of refreshes your mouth so that when you come or the next course comes, you're able to kind of taste it for what it really is. So I kind of wonder if this is like a palate cleanser for Julie and aperitif. Um, it's like the thing that she needs to kind of wash out the bad taste from the end of the relationship with Matt. Uh, and in turn, it might give her a chance to move on. Now, that could also mean moving on with Ryan. Um, and maybe it could just mean she's moving on to somebody else afterwards. Don't know yet. Uh, but, you know, isn't that what, if this is a rebound, isn't that what rebounds are for? You know, it seems like, you know, most of the time when you have a rebound after a breakup, it's not long term. You know, it's very short. It kind of gets that relationship out of your system and it kind of sets you up for you know, your next relationship. Um, but it's about, you know, someone more or less saying, Hey, you're desirable. You know, you're still desirable. You know, you, you I'm attracted to you and feeling like you have more to offer and more to offer somebody else. So I do, I do like that. I don't like that. Julie is trying to move on now uh, because the sulky Julie, it makes sense, but it's not, fun to to watch you know for the character okay well, let's move on here um so we have vince and jess landry clark uh, so we see vince asking coach uh, to get him a job he needs money basically and he he's gone to eric because at this point he's the one person that might be able to help him out he doesn't want to go to his buddies because obviously they're involved in some crime stuff. He obviously wants to get out of that. And he's chosen to, I think, finally and fully go straight and take football seriously. So Eric gets him a job um, at Jess's uh, rib shack, right? And the problem is that it comes at a cost for Jess, who I think despite being attracted to Vince um, – She's torn. You know, she's attracted to him, but she's also annoyed at having uh, to more or less confront that on a daily basis. Obviously, at some point in the past, they hooked up or they dated briefly or something, um, and it didn't end well, right? Uh, maybe he had a temper. Uh, maybe he said some some terrible things to her. We don't quite know, um, but. She she obviously still has feelings for him, but she doesn't want to confront it. And now having him work there, she has to confront that every single day. Every time he's in there, she sees him, and it's just it, it's annoying to her. And it's partially annoying because it complicates the her early relationship with Landry right now, right? Which that in and of itself is it's got its difficulties. Um, so speaking of Jess and Landry, it's kind of nice to see that Jess is not looking so wary. Um, it's like like Tyra, Jess uh, has kind of come across as a bit lukewarm in her feelings for Landry rather than you know being obviously interested like she is with Vince. Like between her and Vince, you can tell like there is just something there, like kind of electric, right? Uh, and between her and Landry, it's she likes him. You know, it's kind of like the the Tyra thing. And uh, if this keeps going, and I don't know if it will, we'll find out. But um, I may have more to say this, say on this in, in the next couple of weeks. We'll see what happens. But it is nice to see, though, she's, she's more affectionate in this episode. You know, the conversations that they have, and it, feel, it feels like she, she's looking to progress in this relationship, you know, with 
you know, the physical stuff, you know, because um, the last week and the last few weeks, she's been kind of like laughing at his jokes, but then kind of looking like she's not sure if she wants to date him. I, mean, I don't know. It just, it's been a bit wishy-washy and I, I understand that kind of, but at the same time, like it would be nice for someone to fully commit to Landry and it not be such like an issue for like a girl to be like wrestling with whether or not she really likes Landry or not. And you know, actually Landry did have that gene. If you remember gene from a couple of seasons ago, I believe um, towards the end, I believe it was season two, I think whenever he was dating gene and Tyra kind of broke that up and he chose Tyra and all that stuff. Um, but he did actually have somebody who liked him from the get go. And so, well, I obviously I love Tyra and I love the two of them, you know, together. I, I think it's obvious that Landry has always loved Tyra more than Tyra loved him, I think. And it's feels like a bit like that with this just relationship, you know? Um, so I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully, you know, things continue to progress there and i hope that they, they do um all right so let's move on to joe and joe mccoy and tammy so it appears that even joe mccoy is beginning to realize that he may have made a mistake or two uh with regards to how he's raising or how he raised jd who it seems has finally let all of the praise and the whatnot get to his head he's talking back to teachers and essentially kind of raising hell um you know, I'm trying to think how I want to come at this. So it also, it, okay, so it looks like it might partly be because Joe and, um, I can't think of her name, JD's mom, um, that they, they split up. Now, why? I think it's because the actress didn't come back to the show, whether she was written out or whether she asked to be let go. Uh, not really sure which, but for one reason or another, the actress isn't back. And so, of course, they have to come up with a way to explain this. So it's just, hey, the the marriage failed and this is where we're at. So obviously, this might be a reflection um, or this might be reflect, reflected on JD and how his actions have been lately. Um, he's been just basically a jerk from episode one this season. And we haven't seen a whole lot of him, right? But from what we've seen, he's just been a real jerk the whole time to everybody, whether it be Luke or Vince or whatever. Um, this is definitely not the JD that we saw uh, at the beginning of last season when he was very quiet and very unassuming. Um, obviously, all this praise has finally gotten to his head and he's just become like, it's like Dr. J Dr. Jekyll and uh, Mr. Hyde. He's definitely Mr. Hyde right now. And even Joe is kind of like, whoa, like... Yeah, he has definitely gone off the deep end here. He's totally, I cannot control him. And, you know, I, it's, I, I think it's a little bit of a stretch. I, I agree with Sarah. She said this early in the season. She didn't feel like he would progress that quickly. Like go from the kid that we saw to just be like a total, like, like stereotypical to the nth degree jock, you know, that kind of thing. But you know, this is what it is, and that's how it's being portrayed now. So maybe this is at least partially to blame for it. But you know what? 
he can also make his own decisions and he doesn't have to be a jerk. Uh, but Joe obviously is at least acknowledging to Tammy that uh, things are not good right now. Now, here's the thing. It's, it's one of the only times we've ever seen Joe not looking smug. And it seems like there's like some actual doubt. You know, I, I like that. I like that he's kind of doubting maybe a little bit his parenting style and, and his, his ability to kind of influence JD in a positive way. But honestly, the, the storyline feels tacked on. You know, we've barely seen him all season and the storyline lacks like the impact it might have if we had more scenes and context rather than just like a bunch of exposition that gets thrown at us. You know, we saw him early in the season, the first I think, couple of episodes, maybe the first three episodes. And then since then, we haven't seen anybody. We haven't seen Joe. We haven't seen, I believe, JD at all. And that's an issue. Okay. We, or if we have seen JD, it's been very, very little. And it's just not enough. It just it feels a little tacked on. Like, oh, we haven't um, we haven't seen any of these characters in a while. Maybe we should throw Joe in there and kind of give you an update as to what's going on here. Now, if we see them at some point before the season's out, you know, maybe this will have more of a purpose. But at least right now, it just kind of feels like they're throwing us a bone with regards to like what's going on over on the other side of Dylan, and especially with Joe and JD and the whole team and everything, because we haven't heard of about anything really uh, when it comes to them so I, I like it but I don't like it I just I feel like it just gets tacked on here like this one little one-off scene gives us some information but I feel like they could have done better by not just going so long without keeping us more or less up to date with what's going on, on the other side of Dylan all right so let's move on here to Eric and Glenn so it looks as though Glenn can't hold back his his guilt anymore. He's he's filled with it. And he comes to Eric and he just kind of lets it all out. He's obviously kept this in for quite some time, for weeks now. And he just comes out and says, hey, look, I, I kissed your wife. I never should have done it. I feel so bad. I'm so, so sorry. If you, you know, more or less, if you want to beat me up, I understand. And I I like that the writers didn't use this to to create drama with capital D in the marriage between Tammy and Eric because it would have been so easy and other shows would have done that they would have taken this Eric would have gone home gone into no rage they were going to do this big argument and it's just something that would have happened on so many other shows but the writers are good here they know what they're doing right and they know these characters inside and out so instead of having that happen, Eric takes the high road, right? And why? Because Glenn isn't a threat. He knows Glenn isn't a threat. It's not like Tammy's going to just suddenly fall in love with Glenn and leave him. It's not going to happen. Right, is he thrilled that this happened? No. Uh, should Tammy have told him about it? Probably. But I think he also knows that the only reason she didn't tell him is because it doesn't mean anything to her. Like, it meant so little that she's not going to just come in and be like, oh, hey, by the way, Glenn kissed me, right? It just, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. So there's no reason, I think, for her to bring it up. So Eric takes the high road. And I, and I like that there's some, like, gentle ribbing from Eric and Tammy both regarding this in the episode. Uh, because, again, it shows that it's not a big deal. At the end of the day, this doesn't mean a whole lot 
you know it's just something that happened but erica's home he's comfortable in the knowledge that tammy loves him and that's it uh it was something that that glenn did he was he's like i was drunk i'm so sorry so it's not like tammy went in for the kiss or sort of making out with glenn it's more like glenn did this and it happened end of story and i like that i think that was great i love how they did this whole scene all right so let's move on we have another clip here um we're going to talk now about the eric buddy virgil and eldon scene Right when they go and they talk, they try to talk to somebody who can help them get the lights turned back on in Carroll Park. Uh, before we get, well, actually, before we get to this clip, um, I want to first explain, you know, what happens before this. So Eric, he goes down to Carroll Park because one of his players hasn't shown up in a couple of days, and so he's concerned. So he goes to the house, and what appears to be the sister tells him that he goes to Carroll Park a lot and that maybe Eric should go down there. That's where he can find him. So Eric goes down to, Eric goes down to Carroll Park, just asking around, and then all of a sudden there's a shooting. And there's a 16-year-old kid. He gets shot, I think, in the arm, I, th I believe, um, or maybe in the lung. I don't know which, but he gets shot. And um, Eric is he – he now understands how bad Carroll Park is. And at night, it's really bad. So Eric realizes, like, something needs to happen. The lights essentially need to get turned back on in Carroll Park. So he goes to Buddy, and Buddy says, hey, I have an idea. Um, and Eric gets informed that if they all go together, they can meet up with a guy named Eldon, who uh, was a former, um, like, a criminal. He just got out of uh, prison. And he might be able to help out because he like reaches out to other teens and stuff now uh, to try to get them to stray from their path of crime. So here's this scene uh, between Eric, Buddy, Virgil, and Eldon. And uh, we will listen to this scene and we'll break it down. Eric Taylor, Eldon Crumpler. Hey, how do you do? Nice to meet you. Buddy Garrity. Buddy Garrity. Good to meet you. Morning. Thanks much. Nice place. How long you been here? Uh, since I got out of jail. What exactly can I do for you? Uh, well, <clears throat> we're trying to clean up Carroll Park. Take it back. Take it back from who? No, that's not, we don't want to take anything back. What we're trying to do is we're trying to get the lights turned on over there. I got a bunch of players who live in the area. We're trying to make some space for them to have somewhere safe to be at night. I don't want to offend you, Coach. I'm sure you're a great football mind like everybody say, but uh, there are a lot more problems down there than just the lights won't work. So my question to you is, do you really want to make a difference? Or are you just feeling sad because you saw a boy got shot? Both. Oh, this is what we need. We need money for programs. We need some of the local businesses like Virgil here and Buddy here to send a little something something our way. And not just this week because there's a boy in the hospital. As far as the great white hope coming in from the football field to save the day, those kids can't see you as an outsider. A smell at a mile away. Do more harm than good. We need to give them a reason to believe in this thing. What, 
whatever this thing is. Well, I got an idea. I think we ought to have a little football game. Football game. Yeah, I think we ought to get the Lions versus the kids oh, at the park and have a little wait football. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That don't sound like a bad idea. Go ahead. Yeah. Good, clean fun. Uh. No, 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 wait. No, no, Friday night, we got to buy. We could do it Saturday night. What do you think, Eldon? Well, the kids do love their football. Everyone loves football. Okay. So, I think, with regards to the scene, the writers, I think, would have been foolish to make Eric act as though he was going to, quote-unquote, save East Dillon, right? He's not, he's not the great white hope, you know, ruling in a town, thinks, thinks he can change things, thinks he can just suddenly make this massive impact and, and you know, be the savior of, of East Dillon. It's not going to happen. And in this scene, as you can tell, Eldon even says that, look, if you just think, if they see you as somebody that th thinks you're just going to roll in and just save everybody, you're going to do more harm than good. And we don't want that. So they can't look at you in that light. Right. Eric is simply a coach who might be able to help push things in the right direction and nothing more. That's it. It starts with the lights getting turned on, but I think it's up to the businesses and the community at large, like for continuing to like push this and be the real force of change in this town, like turning on the lights at Carroll Park is the first step. But if they want to keep it safe, it's going to require a bunch of people kind of coming together to make that happen. You know, and in this scene, one of the things I really enjoy, Virgil to me is a virtual locked box of a character. We know almost nothing. We know that Virgil was once a football player, that he injured his knee or injured his leg. Um, he, doesn't, he hasn't played since, and he seems to be a guy that's, that's filled with a lot of resentment. And he doesn't like football, doesn't want to be involved with football, but little by little, he's thought out this season. You know, I, I still feel like we don't know much about him, and it would be nice to know what exactly happened and why he dislikes football was it just because he got hurt and now he can't stand to watch it because of it because it kind of ruined his dreams i don't know but so far at least we haven't had any real answers there any solid answers but what i like about this scene is that there's a moment where eldon asks eric if he's there just because he um because oh, what's, I'm trying to think, how do you say that? He asks him if he's um, there just because a kid got shot, or if he's there because he thinks he can make a real difference, that they can make a real difference. And wisely, Eric says both. And I really like that because, well, Virgil perks up a little bit. He was expecting Eric, I think, to pick one or the other. But when Eric said both, you could see Virgil kind of like look up at him like, oh, he said what I didn't expect him to say. So maybe he's underestimated Eric since Eric came into town. And, and I'm hoping that this is a sign that maybe Virgil will keep involving himself in stuff like this. You know, like I feel like he's been one of these guys. He has this business. People come and eat his food. His food's really good. 
But other than that, he more or less just kind of walls himself off from everybody around him. You know, even his own kids, I feel like to a point, are kind of walled off from Virgil. And so it's kind of nice to see this. Um, what else here? Um, oh, yeah. So I want to keep going with this. The, this is a complicated issue. The thing is, there's no easy solutions. But isn't that the point, though? I think anything worth fighting for, it, it takes patience and a Herculean effort. And it's taken that effort just to get the lights turned back on, and it will continue to take that kind of Herculean, Herculean effort uh, every day to keep the park from descending back into the kind of like the hellish nightmare that it seems to be right now. Um, and if they can continue to keep the lights on and make this a safe place for kids to go to, it would be almost, a, I think, a miracle, but it could happen, you know, and I like that. Uh, we also see Virgil give, like I said, Vince a job. You know, that's the job that Eric gets him. And I mentioned that earlier in the episode. You see Virgil kind of take an interest in in Vince. He starts out being very hard on him. But then as the episode progresses with the guys come in, they kind of roll up in their cars, get out. And they more or less just expect like this handout from Vince. Like Vince is going to walk in and just get them a bunch of food, bring it out. Uh, but Vince doesn't. He's like, look, I can't do it. You want food, you got to go inside like everybody else. And I think that impresses Virgil. I think it makes him realize that Vince is actually serious about being on this the straight and narrow, this path. And I really like that. Um, so again, it feels like Virgil is starting to thaw out a little bit, trying to trying to get involved a little more with whether it's Eric or whether it's Vince or or even his daughter. You know, there's there's more there, and I don't know whether that was something they chose to do or how. The actor plays the character. I'm not entirely sure. I'm sure there's discussions between the writers and the actors on, on how to do things and the director, obviously. But um, I like that Virgil is starting to open up as a character because I think that's really good. He needs it. He really does. Um, so that's good. Um, all right, here, let me think. Is there anything else? Um, looking down through my notes here. I don't think so. I believe that's it. Uh, for the episode. I don't think there's any other major storylines that we need to touch on. We didn't see Vince's mom. Um, oh, actually, you know what? There is there is something else. Um, yeah, so we're not done. <laughs> um, actually, I have another clip here. It's of uh, Tammy and Eric. Right, so Tammy uh, and Eric, they're driving down the road. It's towards the end of the episode. Um, Eric is talking about how even though he understands that their relationship isn't like Joe and his wife and the McCoys. And basically like he knows that they're not, they're going to separate or anything. Like they're not at that point by any stretch. He also acknowledges the fact that their relationship needs nurturing, right? Every relationship needs nurturing. And you can see throughout the episodes, there's a couple of allusions to the fact that Tammy and Eric haven't really spent a whole lot of time together recently. Like they're so busy and there's just been so much going on that they've just had to more or less, they're like two ships passing in the morning, you know, and that's been pretty much it. And, um, he, you know, Eric says this and he's very serious about it, you know, um, and, and Tammy kind of laughs uh, at him for it. And he's, he, I want to say he's indignant, but he's like, 
you know, why are you laughing? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm serious about it. And she, you know, thanks him for it, you know, for, for saying that. Obviously, it means something to her that, that he's actually serious about what he's saying here. So she tells him to make a left. He does. And they pull up into this spot. And they have this conversation in the car. And then they talk about uh, this being the spot where they, they went on their first real date, uh, which I assume is uh, the first time that they had sex was here. Um, so anyway, uh, I'll let you listen to the clip and we'll break it down after it's over. You know, it's not lost on me that I owe you a date. No, oh, it's not lost on me either, honey. While we may not be the McCoys, I also realize that our relationship needs nurturing. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You're funny. <laughs> nurturing. I'm trying to be funny. I'm being serious. Oh, honey, I love you to pieces for that. Honey, go left. What? Go left. Why? Where are we going now? Honey, you'll see. Oh, man. Oh, that's So beautiful. Does it ring any bells for you, hon? Mm. Remember our first... Okay, not our first date, but our first date. Would that be our first date or first date? First date. I vaguely remember. Do you? Do you vaguely remember? I want to remind you. I mean, it's been a long time. You're real old. You're real old and crotchety. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. So, what I like about this this scene here is that, um, it, it, first of all, it's kind of a fun scene, right? But also, it, it's a very touching scene, and we haven't had a whole lot of that. I think this season, it's not at least on the show when we're doing reviews, because there's so many other characters that that need to be focused on are there are clips that deserve to be in the show uh, that I feel like I haven't featured Eric and Tammy too much this year but I also think to a certain degree the relationship has taken a bit of a back uh, backseat to other storylines which need to be given more screen time this year because we have a lot of new characters so they're going to take up a bulk of the, the screen time. Uh, but this is a great scene, which is, again, emblematic of the great relationship that the actors have. The chemistry is is really ridiculous uh, here. And um, it's just such a great scene because these two love each other dearly. And you get the sense that, um, you know, they, they love each other. And it's just a moment for them to kind of pull off to the side in the middle of kind of, not in the middle of nowhere, but there's nobody else around. You know, no one's going to be walking up in this area. Um, so I think that it gives a chance for the two of them to kind of just spend some time together, be alone. And my guess is they'll be getting, you know, down to some hanky-panky, I guess. Uh, I think they'll both be uh, releasing some sexual tension, I think, in this, in this scene uh, that we don't get to see, obviously, but I think that's pretty much what's going to happen here. They'll get to actually spend some time together. Uh, may not be ideal uh, place in the vehicle, but you know what? Uh, sometimes that's, that's what you have to do. Um, 
right, I think that's actually the end of the episode for, for real, by the way. Um, and I do apologize again. I, I understand. It's, it may not be a lot of fun to hear me just talking without bouncing ideas off of Sarah or, or anybody else um, because you've become so used to this. And we haven't really had to do this very much. Uh, generally, we've been doing these episodes together uh, since we started. I think there was one episode maybe where Sarah did it by herself. And I think it was very short because she was not very good about talking, you know, without anybody else to kind of talk to and bounce ideas off of. Uh, I can do a little better at all this because I started out on the Hannibal podcast by myself just every week doing this. Uh, kind of thing. So I'm more used to you know, recording podcasts where it's just me. And I do some other stuff as well. Um, so yeah. Anyway, uh, it looks like that's it for this week. If you want to send in any feedback, feel free. Please do. Um, I recorded that uh, little feedback thing for the beginning of the episode. That's why you heard it. Um, and again, you know, we have that kind of freaking geeks uh, chest. Uh, don't... Um, um, what do I want to say here? Um, just don't don't feel like uh, it's not going to be worth it. You know, uh, please consider signing up for us on Patreon because it really does help us, and we want to do more of this uh, in the future. We're not stopping uh, doing uh, this or doing freaking geeks or anything. We have long term plans for all of this, so you know, please sign up for our, uh, for freaking geeks on Patreon and help support the shows that we do. We really do enjoy doing all of this, but it's going to take, you know, more, I think, than we currently have right now to kind of keep expanding our plans and our scope uh, regarding the podcast and just all of it. So uh, any help would be great, whether it be a dollar, two dollars, three, five, whatever it happens to be that you can contribute, that would be great. So anyway, um, thanks. And uh, I will talk to you next week in a new episode of uh, Friday Night Lights. Until then, have a good one. We'll see you later.